Glad you're here. We're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to start off with a word of prayer in just a second. First off, I want to thank him for our fried chicken for our meal. We had a great supper tonight. Uh, thankful for that. Yeah, go ahead. I want to remind you, I want to encourage you, we've got an upcoming study in the book of Revelation starting Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to start going verse by verse to the book of Revelation. I want to encourage you uh, to plan to be here. Uh, God is going to speak through that. I believe that through the study of his word. Uh, he's going to speak to our church. He's going to speak to us as a people. So I want to encourage you to be here for that. Plan to be here for that. Invite folks to join you. Help get the word out. And then most of all, I want to encourage you to be in prayer uh, for that effort, that God's able to take it and multiply it and use that effort. Let's start off now with the word of prayer. Great Father, we come tonight. We're thankful again for this day. We're thankful for uh, the hope that we have in this in this day because of Christ. We're thankful for the peace uh, that's not rattled today because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for eternal life, for a future that stands. And so we praise you, our risen, resurrected Savior. Lord, we come tonight and I pray as we begin to study your word, as we think about your word, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would build us up. I pray that we would be changed uh, in this hour, in the study and the hearing of your word. I pray uh, for our kids' classes meeting tonight, as always, Lord, that you speak, that, that a foundation is built on the truth of the word of God and that, and that there's a foundation uh, built that will last, that will stand, that will endure. I pray for our youth tonight. Again, the same thing. Bless them, grow them uh, as they study your truth as well. And then, Lord, tonight again, we, we pray that you're able to speak uh, to us tonight, that we would have ears to hear hearts to receive, and I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged in this time. And I pray all that in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to continue our study of the grand scheme of things. Uh, in our study, we're at a section where we're looking at uh, the Psalms. Uh, we came to the section of Psalms. We're going to look at it. We're going to go in detail through it uh, before we move on to something else. We know the Psalms are the Hebrew songbook. Uh, we know that it, it includes songs that were written over a thousand-year period. Uh, many people, I think most people, believe that, the, the, that Ezra assembled them about 450 B.C., uh, that they were put together, that they were as many as five books that were uh, pieced together into the Psalms that we have, uh, that we look at today. Uh, we know there's many authors, and there's some that we do not know the authors. Many authors, uh, we believe that David wrote over half of the Psalms. Uh, when we started our study talking about the Psalms, we saw that there are uh, many types of Psalms, but for our purposes, we've broken it down into six uh, types of Psalms. And so here we are, the Hebrew songbook. These are the songs that they sung, uh, that they were, they were singing as a nation, as a people. Uh, they, could be, they could be sung individually, they could be sung corporately, uh, and again, they were over a thousand-year period that they were put together, and then, and then Ezra most likely puts them together uh, 450 years uh, before Christ. All right, the, there's several types. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about Psalms of Thanksgiving, Psalms of Thanksgiving. That's what we're going to think about. That's what our example is going to be tonight. Our key verses tonight, we're going to be in Psalm 100. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 100 tonight. All right, the key point, if you have your worksheet, the key point is this. Now, I want you to think about this uh, as we move through our study tonight. 
a true sign of the depth of a person's understanding of God is the degree of their thankfulness. How much does a person know about God? How much does a person understand God? A, a, a way to measure that, we're going to see, uh, is, to, is to see how thankful they are. Uh, as part of our worship, God calls us to freely express our gratitude to him. Let me read that all again. A true sign of the depth of a person's understanding of God is the degree of their thankfulness. As part of our worship, God calls us to freely express our gratitude to him. He tells us we are to be a thankful people. All right, for the very specific type of psalm, the psalm of thanksgiving. A psalm of thanksgiving, they were songs that did two things. Uh, they reminded God's people to be thankful, and then they reminded them of some things that they're to be thankful for. And so, okay, here's the songbook. Some of these songs in here are songs of thanksgiving. The purpose for them, they are to remind God's people to be thankful and then to remind them of some things uh, they are to be thankful for. They were generally recited as groups. Uh, when the, when the God's people would assemble, they would be sung in groups. Generally, they're sung in groups, uh, but they could also be sung by the individual. All right, as we start tonight, I want to ask this question. I want you to think about this. Why do you think people have to be reminded to be thankful? And that's what this whole thing's about. He tells God's people, hey, remember to be thankful. Why do you think people have to be reminded to be thankful? Anybody can answer, you can holler out. Too busy. You get so busy, you get so busy, you forget to be thankful. Any other reason? Lackadaisical. You're just cruising through life and it escapes your mind. Anybody else? Why do you think people have to be reminded to be thankful? Somebody said so. Human nature, it's all about me. It's about what's next. I got things going on, and my human nature forgets to be thankful. One of the greatest tools to fight anxiety, and you know what? We're, we're an anxious people. All right? That's a weird thing. We have to be reminded to be thankful. Here's another question. I want you to think about it. I got a couple answers that pop in my head. Are there times when we are naturally thankful? Are there times, are there events when you know what, you're just thankful? No one's going to have to remind you on these events. I want you to just to think about that. Are there times when we are thankful, when we're naturally thankful? Thankfulness overflows in our life. Anybody want to holler something out? When you wake up in the morning, you get up and say, woo-hoo. When you have surgery and you overcome, that's a, that's a big thing. Grief, in grief. When grief is over, when you've run through the process. I, I thought about this. Are there times when we're naturally thankful? And I thought about a couple things. Number one, when good things happen. Good things happen. Uh, the birth of your kids, you're thankful. Good things happen. There's another time, however, um, when you escape something. 
when there's relief from something. You ever thought, oh boy, Tuesday, it's all over. Tuesday, I got that deal at 10 o'clock and it's all over and I don't know how I'm going to get it out of that. Or Thursday, oh, I don't think I'm going to make it through Thursday. And you come out the other side and you go, well, you know what, I made it through Tuesday and it's all right and God was with me. Or you know what, I got a terrible diagnosis and I'm not ever going to make it. I've got this problem and I'm going to have to have surgery and it's going to be too terrible and I can can think of 10 things that could go wrong and you come out the other side and say, you know what, God was with me and I, I, I saw he never left me. I think when there's relief from something, when we overcome something, we, there's a natural for a second time that we become thankful. All right, let me ask you a question. Do not answer this one out loud. Are you a thankful person? Are you a thankful person? And here's what I've noticed, and I can already see some of your heads. I think most of us say, oh, yeah, I I know I am. Are you a thankful person? Yeah. Well, here's here's the second part. What do you think those people around you would say? What would your friends say? What would your coworkers say? If you said, hey, give me three things to describe me, would they say, you're a thankful person? Or they say, that is a foul person. Oh, that person's so, so, so entitled, they're never happy. Um, what would others say? Would they say, man, when you're around them, they're thankful. They're thankful. All right, we're going to move into this reminder for us uh, that we should be thankful. Psalm 100 is the song that we're going to look at. Uh, I, I'm going to read verse 1. We're going to go through it piece by piece. As you do that, are you a thankful person? What would other folks say if they were asked that question about you? All right, Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Now, Psalm 100 probably started out as a celebration of an answered prayer or of an act of God's deliverance. And so it's a lot uh, like we were thinking. um, Somebody's prayer has been answered. There's been some measure of relief. Uh, Something that was bad, I thought was going to be the end, didn't end up being that. And so because there's relief, because there's deliverance, because God has answered the prayer, somebody is excited, and that's that's how this psalm starts. Somebody's excited. God has delivered. God has, has answered, and they're excited. The first two verses of the psalm excitedly call for three responses from the worshiper. Okay, here is a worshiper. The first two verses are going to tell us here are three responses that a true worshiper ought to have. First, in verse 1, I like this, it says this, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. All right, I'm going to walk you through this. The word for joyfully here, if you go back to the original language, if you look to the meaning of it, it actually means victoriously, triumphantly victoriously. And so the literal meaning of the verse of the of the song verse is this. Let all the earth let out a victory shout. That's what it is. Let all the earth let out a victory shout. Now, what a way to start worship. If if you know what you're going to worship, we're going to worship when we gather as the church, you're worshiping somewhere. What a way to start out your worship with a victory shout. I can, I can tell you about this. I, I saw something weird this morning. Um, this morning I was in Abilene, and, and Kale's playing 
uh, for the regional tennis tournament. If they win this, they're the regional champions. If they win this, they get to go to state in two weeks. And here's these people. And there's some old, there's some old grandparents there, and there's some old parents there, and there's some ki- teammates there, and there's these kids there, and you're watching and you're watching, and you hit that last shot, boom. And, and hey, we won it. And you know what? Was, I, I, don't, I didn't tell them to do it, and I don't know anybody told them to do it. Kale didn't tell them to do it, but instantly, people stood up and just screamed. And they were yelling, let's go. They were yelling crazy stuff. Grandparents got up and they yelled and everybody's yelling. And it's an instant victory shout. That is the picture here. Start your worship with a victory shout. I'm going to keep explaining that. Now, I think it is perfect uh, timing and I think it's crazily perfect that this Wednesday night lesson follows Easter. And we're going to talk about that in a second. After Easter, how do you not start everything with a victory shout? And that's, that's what it is. Now, I want you to be sure and see this. It says, shout, shout. In Hebrew, that word means to, to blast or with jubilation to shout. Uh, to just blast it out, to just shout it out. Exactly what happened this morning. That shot hits, they win, and it just shouts out. That's what it says. Let out a victory shout. Now, let me, let me just ask you this. As believers, shouldn't all of our dealings, and you think, well, some of the tough ones are going, be, are going to be hard. I'm going to say even more so in the tough ones. Shouldn't all of our dealings, whether hard or easy or good or bad, be processed through a lens of victory? Which means this, we have a risen Savior. You know what? I, I can't help but see you know what, that diagnosis is bad. You know what, I got a risen Savior. You know what, that, that, that situation's bad. You know what, we have a risen Savior. Shouldn't everything go through the lens of a victory? The Bible says in New Testament, we are more than conquerors. In Jesus, we have true and lasting victory. All right, I, here's, here's what I, something I've been saying for a while. And it's been several years, I say this. For believers, the best is always ahead. And you say, well, I didn't expect this situation. Well, you know what? Are you a follower of Christ? If you are, the best is still ahead. Well, this is terrible, this is terrible, and this is terrible. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Guess what? The best is still ahead. I got all these terrible things. You know what? The best is still ahead. You know why? Because Jesus is coming. We're going to be with Christ. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. He's going to walk with us all the way. For believers, the best is always ahead. I've been saying that for a while. Somebody else recently has been saying, for believers, there is no bad end. There is no bad end. We talked about it Sunday, the word perish, uh, that we should not perish means come to a bad end. For believers, there is no bad end. I lost that whatever. No bad end for me. Diagnosis is terrible. That's bad. There's no bad end for me. You know what? You just go down the list. Here's the question. Do we actually believe that? Do you actually believe there's no bad end for me? It doesn't matter how tough today is. It doesn't matter how bad this year is. There's no bad end for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. If we believe that, Shouldn't our natural response be to shout? Just shout. 
just like when that shot went in and it was over and it was done, our natural response ought to be to shout. There is no bad end for a follower of Jesus Christ. Whoever you are as a follower of Jesus Christ, the best is still to come. Oh, I messed it up. Oh, I got regret. Oh, I can't ever go back. Man, those days were good. You ever think, man, those days were good. You know what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the best is still to come. All right, let's go to verse two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Verse two is actually talking about the worship gathering of God's people. Uh, in this day, it was the gathering of God's people. For us, it's talking about the church. It's actually talking about the worship gathering of the church for us. The word serve here, um, we, might, we might think, well, it means do that work uh, with gladness. The word serve here is talking about the act of service that's carried out through worship. And so when you come to the corporate worship, is what it's saying, do so with gladness. Today we might say this, when we worship, when we come together to worship, do not do it out of duty. Well, I got to. Do not do it out of routine. Well, it's Sunday. I got to on Sunday. Do not do it under compulsion. Well, my spouse is mad if I don't act like I'm happy here. Don't do it under compulsion, but actually do it with gladness. Now, this means with a happiness of heart. Here's what it means, very simply. It means to truly be happy to worship. So when we gather as God's people, when we gather as the church, you're to actually be joyful, happy, that we have the opportunity to, to worship. It's not because you have to. It's not because somebody's twisting your arm. It's not because it's Sunday you're happy to worship. All right, I want to say something right here, and I'll, I'll just be honest with you. The gathering of the church is a big deal. The gathering of the church is a big deal. It is God's plan. I do not forsake the assembling together as the practice of some. That's in Hebrews. Get the gathering of the church is a big deal. Let me tell you a couple reasons. First off is it blesses you and encourages you. You know what? You're around Christian people. You're around a praying people. You're around people singing. You hear the word of God. It's a, it's a blessing to you. It's an encouragement to you. Let me tell you this, and I'll promise you this. If you remove yourself from the fellowship of the church, the gathering of the church, you will suffer. Well, I'm busy, I'm tired, it's summer, the lake, you give me a deal. You remove yourself from the gathering of the church, you'll suffer. You know what, two weeks out, you'll start to be foul. Three weeks out, you'll start to be apathetic. Four weeks out, and I'm gonna tell you what, it's a pattern. We are blessed when we gather. You know what, we're encouraged, we're motivated, our, 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 our focus is better it is a blessing to be part of the gathering of the church. I don't know why we're scared to say that. You know what? You miss church. You miss the gathering of the church. You're hurting yourself. I can promise you, you are better. We are better when we come together. So here's the first thing. It's a blessing to us. It's a blessing to you when we gather as a church. Here's the second side. Most people do not see. And you know what? You are needed in it. What do you mean? 
Listen, you are needed in it. Let me tell you something about Sunday. Sunday, there's no seats. Do y'all remember that? No seats. Do you know what's fun for a preacher? To preach to no empty seats. That's a good, I like that. You know what, someone says, does that make you nervous? No, I like that. Do you know, what's, do you know what sounds better when the place is full? The, song, the singing. Didn't it sound better? You know, you know who's happier? The choir. You know who's, everything is better when we gather. You know why? Because you're needed. You're necessary. There's somebody needs to see you. Well, I just had a loss this year. Well, I got a bad sickness this year. Well, I got a financial problem this year. Well, you don't know about my home this year. Somebody needs to see you in your problem. Hey, look, they're in a big old mess. I know they are, but look at them worshiping. Well, they lost their loved one this year. Yes, and they're here worshiping. You know what? Somebody needs to see you. You are a blessing to the corporate gathering of the church. I, I, that's going to make somebody person mad, but I want to tell you what. You are needed. You're a blessing. Church is better. The gathering is better when we're together. I, one of the things, and I, I, I'm partial, but one of the things about my dad, 10 years of cancer, bad stuff. Um, at, at some point, he goes to chemo. He comes out of chemo. He falls down. He knocks his tooth out, crushes his pacemaker. Bad stuff. Had to carry that little wagon with the, with the oxygen on it. It sounded like Darth Vader. Every time he breathed. Couldn't, couldn't drive, crash into everything. But you know what? He was coming to church. And, and one time we took his keys away from him, and it was, it was terrible. He came up, parked in the other parking lot, and came in and said, y'all didn't think y'all only had one set of keys, did you? <laughs> you know what? Church was better with him here. Church was a blessing with him here. Listen, when we come together, we ought to be glad. We ought to be happy. Nobody's putting a gun to our head. And listen, you're going to be blessed. You mark it down and somebody else will be blessed because you're here. You have a duty when you're here, somebody else is blessed. Come before him, the next part of verse two, come before him with joyful singing. Come before him with joyful singing. One of the ways our worship will be expressed, is expressed, is through exuberant singing. Now we're in a songbook, and so you ought to figure it's gonna say that, but that's a, that's a true thing. I run into folks and they say, well, I just don't sing. Singing's not my thing. Well, I don't, I don't like to sing. That's not what the Bible says. One of the ways we worship is through exuberant singing. When we gather, it's an awesome thing for us to gather and to sing. I watch people, and it's, it's weird. Some of you on the choir can say when you look out. I watch people, and they're just too tired to sing. And I watch other people, and they're too serious to sing. I'm like, I don't know who they're mad at. I hope it's not me. I'll find out later. Um, I, other people are too proud to sing. Well, they, I, I'm not a very good singer. Now, if I sing, they'll. Other people are too dignified to sing. There's a few people that are like, man, they don't know who I am. I'm not going to sing victory in Jesus. Listen, part of our worship, we sing, we sing. We, we let loose and we sing. Let me read verses one and two together. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. All right, let me ask you this. What is your response 
after reading verses 1 and 2. Here's what happens when I read verses 1 and 2. I want to do over. I want to go back to church. I want to meet back here on Sunday. I want to meet here last Sunday. I want to sing louder. I want to sing. I want to, I want to be bolder. I want to come in and I want to have a victory shout as we, st- as we start. Isn't that how we should meet as God's people? Isn't that how we should respond as God's people? Here's my question. So what would produce that? What would produce that? It's not signs. We have signs that when you come in, and they've been saying things like sing, whatever, that that didn't work. Um, It's not sermons. I've preached, I don't know, a lot of sermons, and that, that doesn't seem to make joyful worship. It's not... So the, the quality of the singing, I, I say this, I think for, for 14 years, uh, there's nobody in a 200-mile circle that can touch our singing, I don't think. What would, what would produce that? And here's what I think, a couple things. Number one, you have to know who God is. We're going to see that in a minute. Number two is time spent in God's Word. And I'll just tell you, the more time you spend in God's Word, the more the, the different perspective that you carry. And then here's the third one, and I believe it's this being around joyful people who like to worship. And I've said this several times, as cool as we think we are, as individualistic as we think we are, humans are still pack animals. We still move with the pack. And I'm going to tell you this, I don't care who you are, you can get with the wrong pack and you'll go the wrong way. And so you can get around folks and they're mad and they're foul and they're griping, um, it's always interesting to come out of church. It's weird that I'm up here talking as I think about things. To come out of church and run into a set of folks that are griping about something. And when you walk up, they're like that to me. Oh, we didn't know you were coming up. Well, you know that yard, you know that yard and those sprinklers and that woman's running all the way down there. And you, I don't know if our church tithes to have our sprinkler do that. And, they're, and, they're, and then somebody who's happy comes up on them and they start saying, well, you know, somebody always parks in the breezeway and I can't get in and Meemaw likes to come in that way and I can't get in and there. And then somebody else starts saying, well, I know that church van, that back door is open back there and that back, we, we built those doors to shut those doors and those doors are open. I can't imagine we have church with the doors open and, and they start feeding and feeding and feeding and that flower bed out there, there's three of those things that are dead and six others and nobody's doing that. And somebody says, well, that tree up there hadn't been trimmed and the ants when you leave, the ants killed that one on the corner of the dadgum ants. And people that are happy get foul. And then I can watch the opposite. You get around somebody, and I can name them, and they say, you know what, it's bad, but you know what, God's never left me. Praise the Lord, best fried chicken I ever eaten in my life was tonight. Praise the Lord, I love this lesson. I can't believe we get to hear it. Praise the Lord, that tree fell down. I never liked it anyway. The, one of the best things we can do, be around people that are excited to praise the Lord. You know what? Be in the Word of God. It changed your perspective. You know what? Be around people that are excited to praise the Lord. All right, verse 3, moving on. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know that the Lord himself is God. It It is he who has made us and not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now the reason, those first two verses tell us, be glad to worship, be loud in worship, be exuberant in worship. Verse three now tells us the reason that we would be those things. 
And the reason for the, for the celebration of the previous verses is, is made clear to us in verse 3. First thing is this. We worship the one true God. Not a false God, not a man-made God. We worship the one true God. That's the reason to celebrate. He is the Lord ruling over all. That's what verse 3 tells us. Let me tell you what that means. He's in control. Is he in control? He's in control. You having a surgery? You know who's in control? You know what you found out? He didn't lose control. He rules over all. That ought to make us excited. He is the creator. He is our creator. You know what that means? He made you. He knows you. His wisdom, his, he knows the best thing for you. That ought, that ought to produce worship in us. Now, here I'm going to go a little bit further right there. The reason we celebrate in 1 and 2 is because what we know in verse 3. He's the one true God. He's the Lord who rules over all. He's the creator. Great wisdom, great power. As great as those things are, it gets better. And I want you to hear this. As great as those things are, it gets better. Not only that, but the creator God of all things, listen, he knows you. He knows this church. No, he knows you. He sees you. He thinks about you. He cares for you. I decided about a year ago, I finished preaching up through John, and I, I decided... You know, I, I, I want to tell as many people about Christ as I, as I can tell. But I decided this, I, I'm going to be zealous, crazy about telling people that God loves them. And you know what? The world tells people God doesn't love them and God's done with them and they've messed up too bad. And, I, and I've decided, you know what? I, I, there's folks that get mad when you tell people God loves them. Um, God loves you. God loves you. He cares for you. He sees you. And, and once again, how do we know that? Once again here, God is portrayed as our shepherd. That's an example he chose. I didn't choose that. He says he is our shepherd. Now, that's a profound meaning. Uh, what, what does that mean? God is our shepherd. What does that mean? He, we are his. We belong to him. It means he protects us. Uh, you know what, what the shepherd does? He saves the sheep. He protects the sheep. He has and he, and he shows concern over us. A shepherd that's worth his salt, you know what? Something's threatening the sheep, he takes care of it. There's an issue with the sheep, he takes care of it. Sheep aren't finding water, he takes care of it. He has concern for us. Now what all of that means is this. He is a personal God, active in the lives of his people. Great. Mighty, creator, powerful, wise. Yes, but listen to this. He knows about you. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you're at right now. He knows where you're going from here. And he loves you and he cares about you. Let me ask you this. What if he wasn't a personal God? What if, what if he was Allah? And you know what? He's not personal. You know what, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's there and he wants, he wants you to obey him. He's not really caring about you. What if he were not personal? What if he went through something tough and you know what, it, it, it wasn't a concern of his? What if he needed some help and he was too busy somewhere else? Our God is a personal God. He is active in the lives of his people. Just like 
we have found that focusing on God, uh, who He is and what He has done, builds our faith. Now, I've said this about 20 times. How do you have a greater faith? You have to know who God is, and you have to know what He's done. Well, I see somebody, and they're great in faith, and I want to have a great faith like that. You have to know who God is, and you have to know what He's done. When that happens, you'll have a greater faith. He is these things. He's never lied, and your faith will grow. Well, at the same time, just like knowing who he is and knowing what he's done grows your faith, knowing who he is and knowing what he has done also results in worship. A heart of worship comes from knowing who God is and knowing what he's done. I often say, one of the things I say um, is our worship is directly tied to knowing who God is and knowing who we are. And I think that's, if you find people that aren't worshiping, either they don't know who God is or they're not willing to admit who they are. But when you realize, you know what, I'm limit, I, don't ha- I-, I can't do it. Uh, I'm powerless. I'm dumb as a rock. I, ha- I have a sin problem. I run and fall back into sin. And I know who God is, powerful, gracious, forgiving, loving, kind. When I know who I am and I know who God is, Those two things produce worship in me. All right, verse four, moving on. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Verse four calls for three actions from the worshiper. All right, here's the worshiper. Uh, Verses one and two, they're told, Have a victory shout. Be glad. Verse 3 tells us why. Verse 4 says, all right, here's three actions. First action is this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, I I like this picture. Temple worship. When when these songs were originally assembled, um, it was limited to the Jews. You couldn't have a part in it. We couldn't as Gentiles. It was limited to the Jews. All right, so you come to the temple, and there's a progression of courtyards uh, at the temple. And so there's, there's the, the courtyard of the Gentiles, which these are folks that, that love the God of the Jews, uh, that seek to know the God of the Jews, but you know what? They can only go to the courtyard of the Gentiles. And then there's the, the courtyard of the women. Uh, there's the, the courtyard of the men. There's the courtyard of the priest. Uh, there's the, 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 the holy of holies, the inner sanctum. And so there's all these layers. And that's if you were to go to the temple to worship, that's how it would be. I want you to notice here, in that time, the song says this, let all the earth. That means the entire world is invited to worship. The entire world is called to worship. Now, what that's talking about, what that's pointing to, is the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. Remember in Abraham? All nations are going to be blessed in you. Remember Isaiah? All nations are called to worship. And so I believe that's what this is pointing to. Uh, All nations are blessed by Christ. And so all people are called to worship the Lord. Here's what I want to tell you about that. All means all. All means all. God doesn't discriminate. He doesn't write some off. He doesn't cast some away. All people, all the earth. Praise the Lord. All right, the second call is to enter his courts 
with praise. Enter his courts with praise. Now, I want you to see this change in wording here. Thanksgiving speaks of gratitude for the works of God. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for providing for my family. God, thank you for, for this. God, thank you for the delivering us across the Jordan River. God, thank you for taking us out of Egypt. God, thank you for whatever. Thank you for the rain last week. Thanksgiving is gratitude for the works of God. Praise is different. Praise is celebrating the attributes of God. Now, you're thankful for those attributes, but praise, the act of praising, is celebrating the attributes of God. Praise God for God. What if it doesn't rain? What if, if, just pick your deal. What what if it didn't turn out the way you wanted? Praise God for God. Praise God for who he is. All right, let me ask you this. How is your worship? And let me tell you, that I can tell you that your answer is going to be dependent on who is God to you. Is he God at the church? who's upset, who has words I can't understand, who's distant, or is he the God that sees you and knows you and loves you, the God that was there when times were hard, the God that sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to pay for your sin. And I want to tell you, as you start to see the the bigness of who God is to you, he is my provider, he is my creator, he is my sustainer. Man, I start thinking about all the awesome things I've seen. I know about he has the righteousness, he is has integrity all the time. He's perfect in righteousness, infinite in wisdom. The more I know about God, you know what, my praises start to grow. How I praise him starts to grow. How is your worship? I feel kind of dull, kind of flat this year. Not what it used to be. Not what some other folks have. Listen, who is God to you? When you see who God is, his attributes, your praise will follow. Third command is this. Give thanks to God and bless his name. Third thing, give thanks to God and bless his name. This is to be a common response for God's people. This is to be normal for God's people. I want you to see this picture. All right, here's the temple. Here's temple worship. I want you to picture this is what this song is saying. A massive amount of people have just poured in. And they, they have poured in and, and they have shown up and there are men and there are women and there are children and they are from all nations and they are pushing in to praise God. They're pushing in to thank God. And some of them are exalting his name. Praise the Lord. Thank the, thank the Lord God Almighty. And some of them are talking about things he's done. And they're walking in the gate saying, thank you for my surgery. Thank you that it went well. Thank you you didn't leave me. Some are saying, thank you for what you've done in my kids' lives. Thank you for what you've done in our finances. Whatever the thing, some are saying, oh, I'm thankful for a Savior. And some are, some are praising God. Some are listing things. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of them bust out and start singing. And so you got folks praising the name of God. You got folks telling them what God has done. You got other folks that are singing, and the singing gets louder, and the singing gets bigger. And some of the ones praising God start singing, and some of the ones singing stop and praise God. And the multitude grows, and hallelujah rings out. And that is the picture of the temple worship in this song. Here's my question How would our worship 
not mirror this now. And I, I sit there and go, man, we're dumb. How would our worship not mirror this now? What more would need to take place? That's why I love that this is following Easter. To come in here, to start with a victory shout, to be glad to worship the Lord, enter his gates with thanksgiving, to serve the Lord with gladness, to be ready to sing, to lead your kids to worship. Would you need more than an all-powerful God? Because you've got one. Would you need a God that's never left us, never forsaken us? Would you need more than that? Because that's who you have. Would you need more than a personal God who knows you and sees you and cares for you? Would it take more than that? If we had more than that, then I'd be ready because that's who we have. Would it take more than a God of love and grace? Grace that outruns our sin. Grace that is new every day. Love, greatest love ever. Would it take more than that because that's who we have? Would it take more than a Savior God? I'm going to need more than a Savior God. How about a God that sends his only begotten son to the cross to die for our sin? Would it take more than that? Listen, I could go on for an hour. That's who we have. That's who we have. That is our God. How do we not praise the Lord? Sing. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. All right, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. For the Lord is good, as loving kindness is everlasting, his faithfulness to all generations. All right, verse five, once again, the reason for such tremendous worship. Now that picture I'm talking about is, is tremendous. The reason for such tremendous worship is given to us, and that is this, because we have a marvelously great God. That's why we, we have such crazy worship. For the Lord is good. All of the attributes and expressions of goodness are found without limitation or defect in God. Now, I wrote that down because I think every word's important. All of the attributes and expressions of goodness are found without limitation or defect in our God. Now, if I were to say, what is good? How do you know that person is good? Trustworthy, part of it, faithful part of it, integrity, part of it, kind heart, part of it, consistent, part of it. I mean, you, you, could just, you could go on forever. What is good? Now, that's mind-blowing. Well, our God is infinitely, all of those things, the expression of it. And so integrity, infinitely. Righteous, infinite. All of those things that we would say that's good, that is our God. All right, the eternal nature of God shows up in the last two parts of verse 5. Um, that's, that's crazy too. He is eternal, and so he's limitless in those things. It says, his loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting. The word loving kindness is sometimes translated mercy. Um, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That translates loving kindness. Mercy is a good translation but it's too narrow of a translation. Um, loving kindness, listen to this. It is mercy tied to and rooted in love, which is tied to and expressed in kindness. All right, what is loving kindness? It is mercy tied to and rooted in love that is tied to and expressed 
in kindness. Now, if you start to think about that, your, your brain may pop. That is a deep thing. That is this word, loving kindness. Now, listen, that is, that is who God is. His loving kindness is everlasting. Now, let me tell you this. His everlasting loving kindness does not run out, taper off, or wane with time or distance. Now, that's a big thought. There's not enough time for God's loving kindness to become less. There's not enough distance for God's loving kindness to get less. Now, if his loving kindness becomes something less, it'll eventually turn into something else, which means this. If you have a burning love for somebody, but it becomes less, and it becomes less, and it becomes less, eventually it's not love. It may turn into a fist fight. I don't know, but it's not what it once was. His loving kindness is everlasting. His loving kindness, mercy tied to and rooted in love that is tied to and expressed in kindness, it does not taper off. The last part, and his faithfulness to all generations. We ought to be hopeful in this. God's faithfulness is promised to all people in all times. God is faithful to all people in all times. Just like that ahead of it, it does not run out with distance or time. It does not diminish. It is not situational. Now, what does it mean for God to be faithful? I just chicken scratch some stuff out. He keeps his word. He keeps his word in all situations. He's always going to keep his word. He keeps his promises. He is dependable in form and action. Do you know there's some things that are dependable in form? They look like they're dependable, but they, they don't, they're not dependable. There's people like that. He's dependable in form and in action is trustworthy. We can have confidence in God being eternally faithful. I, I, you know what? My eternity is secure because God is faithful from now through eternity. His faithfulness does not wane. He can be trusted as faithful. All right, I'm going I'm to read this again. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is good. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. All right, that's a long lesson to tell you this. Be thankful. Be thankful. You know what the lesson was tonight? Be thankful. Talked about anxiety. You know what? You get worried. You get depressed. Do you get distracted with the things of the world? Just, just name the deal. You know what? You start to say, God's blessed me in this way. Start to think about it. You know how I, I have a car that runs. I, I've already eaten breakfast and lunch, and I'm going to eat supper. You know what? I, I, my kids are, are, are the greatest blessing. I, if I were to try to create kids, I, don't, I couldn't have created kids the way that God's blessed me. My wife is tremendous and awesome. My, my home, and I can just go down. My, my grandparents, I had awesome grandparents. I can just go down the list. Just keep, you keep going. My church, praise the Lord for my church. Now I can think about people in my church. Praise the Lord for, the, for those folks. You can just start naming things, and you know what? It changes everything. It ends up with praise God. Here's the whole lesson. I could have saved you an hour. Be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Did y'all get that? Be thankful. Let's pray. I'm going to ask if you'll stand.
Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful. We praise you. Lord, I'm thankful that we can stay as a collective group that you are good, that you've never left us, that you've walked with us, that you've never broken a promise, that your word is true. We can say as a group that you've blessed us with greater blessings than we ever deserve, that you're kind to us. We can say we're, we're so thankful for the years that it rained a bunch, the years it didn't rain any, and you, you stay with us in those years too. We're thankful for the hard times that we learn that you, you're going to stand and you're going to draw near. We're, we're thankful for the good times that we can celebrate. We're thankful for a church. We're thankful for, for your word. We're thankful most of all, Lord, and, and I, I, I pray, Lord, that it rings out. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the risen Lamb, the coming King, my hope, my Savior. Lord, we're thankful for Jesus, and we praise you for Jesus. And Lord, I pray as we leave here tonight, that it's been beating in our head, that it stirs in our heart, that we're to be thankful. I pray that our coworkers will see we're thankful. I pray that people in the public will see that we're thankful. I pray that our kids will see an example of thankfulness because you are worthy. Lord, we praise you and we worship you, we exalt you, and yes, Lord, we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.